Hare Krishna and welcome to episode number seven of this uh, GBC strategic planning team uh, series on GBC history. These are our titles. All you always wanted to know about the GBC, but were hesitant to ask. And today, specifically, we have part seven, my experience of the Zonal Acharya days. And uh, we'll be interviewing His Grace Rajbihari Prabhu, who joined ISKCON very early, 1975. He has been uh, very active in the GBC seen in many, many different roles, and he is active. He's uh, one of the main organizers of the SGGS, the Sangha of Gurus, GBCs, and Sannyasis. He's the co-director of ISKCON Resolve, which is uh, the ISKCON Office for Alternative Dispute uh, Resolutions. He's also a member of the GBC Organizational Development Committee, that takes a look at ISCON in its own, in its uh, entirety, structurally, culturally, financially, and so on. He's also a member of the GBC strategic planning team. And he has a, a master in conflict resolution, which is very relevant to the topics that we will explore today. The, the zonal acharya days how he experienced uh, this you could say tumultuous days both institutionally tumultuous and also individually personally tumultuous for many so welcome brajbihari prabhu I mean, you. you are a special guest but at the same time you are one of the main members of the gbc spt <laughs> Of course, now we, you are, today you are with a different hat. Uh, mm -hmm. We So we will go down memory lane. You said uh, you joined early, 1975, Srila Prabhupada was present, but you did not take initiation from Srila Prabhupada. What happened? Well, I, I started getting interested in Krishna consciousness uh, when I was in 11th grade or 11th standard, um, but didn't move into the temple at that time. Uh, I went off to university and really kind of fully dedicated myself, well, fully dedicated, you know, <laughs> took up what we call taking up Christian consciousness, uh, you know, the regulated principles, chanting and all that um, at the end of 76. Um, and the thing that, you know, as I was reflecting this morning on, on this talk and I, the first thing that struck me was how young we all were. I mean, I was 19, and even though I grew up in kind of a cosmopolitan area in New York, I was so innocent and naive. <laughs> and, and, you know, except for a few devotees, maybe Kirtananda Maharaj, Satsurup Maharaj, Rupanuga Prabhu, Srivikram Maharaj, Ravindra Prabhu, maybe those five might have been close to 30 when I joined, but everyone else was in their 20s. And even some of them may have still been in their 20s, possibly. No, they were probably early 30s. Uh, we were 
as Rabindu Superbu once joked that uh, um, he, Prabhupada was the only adult in the movement. <laughs> and, and so that's what really struck me this morning as I was thinking about this conversation. I was so, I was young. I took initiation before I was 20. Um, I took initiation three times. So I took initiation from uh, Jayatirtha Prabhu. In, uh, he, you know, the, the Prabhupada left us in uh, November of 77. GBC meetings were in Jan uh, February of 78. I got initiated in March 78. So pretty much Jaitirtha Prabhu came from the GBC meetings. I think he stopped in London, came to Detroit where I was serving and it's one of the first initiations. Um, you mentioned yeah. something in our preparations to this conversation, how when Srila Prabhupada left uh, uh, we uh, uh, as a movement, we did not know how to grieve. Mm -hmm. uh, we had very little experience with death. Uh, can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, well, I, obviously, I'm thinking about that now, you know, um, 40 years later, or, you know, more than 40 years, but we didn't. Most of us, uh, our parents were all living pr pretty much when you think about it, you know, because now we, how many devotees have you ever spoken to over the years? Said, oh, yeah, my father passed away, my mother passed away. But we didn't have much experience with death uh, or grieving or the grieving process at all. We, uh, I hadn't practically had any experience like that. And so, we did just didn't know what to do, I think, and, and how to deal with it in any kind of mature way. I mean, when I, I remember when I went to uh, at, at the temple the day after, I guess November fifteenth, and I was just kind of thinking, well, okay, so do we all go home now? <laughs> go back to mom and dad? <laughs> you know, what, what's the uh, what's the future without Srila Prabhupada? Uh, but that was yeah, we just. So what we did, uh, and I think to, to the devotees' credit, is we got absorbed in service. And a matter of fact, if I recall, 78, 79, maybe even 80 were some of the biggest years for book distribution um, and, and for making devotees. I, I, so many, I had so many colleagues, so many uh, other devotees who joined around the same time as me. I could go through a whole list like that. Um, <laughs> But it's like uh, one one example someone once gave is when you when you jump out the window you you go up for a second before you go down. <laughs> so that was the example they gave about those late seventies um, and and early eighties. And of course, I was almost everyone was a Prabhupada disciple, right? Almost everyone, except for the few of us that were, you know. I mean, gradually as the years went on, there was more. So I was not plugged into the challenges that the Prabhupada disciples who were not the 11 initiating gurus, zonal charyas, um, what they were going through. And of course, you know, now in retrospect, we, we've heard, I don't know if in our presentations here, but um, you know, um, maybe Balavanta Prabhu brought this up, but it was a very difficult time for, for them, you know, because some of the devotees who were, became Shakshad Hari, were had chanted Hare Krishna for about six years, five or six years, and, and there, you know, there you are, you, you know, you knowing this person, uh, you went out on Sangatan with him, <laughs> you know what a spaced out bhakti he was, and now he's Shakshadari, you know, and and uh, I remember going to the Mayapur festival in '79, and having all eleven Vyasa sons lined up, 
I was thinking, you know, it was a good year for um, carpenters in those days. <laughs> they had to make so many Vyasasans. And uh, I, I was one of the persons offering RT to Jayatirtha Prabhu. And we all had to coordinate it with all the other 10 Vyasasans. And um, yeah, so many memories. Uh, Hansa Duda Prabhu had written a song. Um, I guess, he, I don't know if he knew Sanskrit, but it was put into Sanskrit. Uh, glorifying the 11, I think it was in Sanskrit, glorifying the 11 Acharyas. Uh, it might have been in English. Uh, it was it was a pretty wild time. Now, there is a, a, a rumor, uh, maybe a suspicion, that uh, by no means all of them, but uh, a few of them might have uh, delayed the initiations of some devotees who could have taken initiation from Srila Prabhupada because they wanted to initiate the devotee themselves. Uh, I mean, you must have heard about this. Was it something happened in your case? You heard about this or was just uh, a, a rumor? You mean they were expecting Srila Prabhupada to leave this world and therefore delayed is that what you mean? i mean we heard different things we i mean the official explanation is that of course Shri Prabhupada was sick in the last months uh, they didn't want to burden him with uh, more karma from new initiates uh, but in some case we heard that some might have wanted to kind of corner the market or you know already have some disciples ready for when they will become gurus what's the take of what? it well, I can't say that would be pretty uh, really ascribing quite, you know, diabolical uh, <laughs> intentions to people. But what happened in my case was a little bit more um, mundane. Um, you know, there's no, it may be hard for devotees to realize this, but there was no internet. There was no um, phone calls were $2 a minute. We didn't, we hardly used phone calls. Um, there was no cell phones, you know, nothing of that. Right. So what happened was, we, they switched GBCs in Detroit in 1977 from uh, Satsurup Maharaj to Jayatirtha Prabhu. And from what I understand, the two of those did not communicate with each other about who was ready for initiation uh, in Detroit. And therefore there was a, a delay in, in my initiation. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> So just a lack of communication. Yeah, we, and we also had switched G, um, uh, temple presidents. Um, Govardhan Prabhu was the president when I first joined, and then Kirti Raj Prabhu was the temple president. Um, and I think that also lack of communication, you know, like that. At one point, you were also the temple president. Oh yeah. Well, yes. Uh, so before I moved to Detroit, uh, Ann Arbor, in Ann Arbor, I was going to University of Michigan, and there was a temple there. And uh, Badri Narayan Prabhu at that time, now Maharaj, was the temple president. And he, well, I won't get into the details of what, but anyway, he moved to the West Coast and he left Bhakta Brian in charge of the temple. <laughs> the, the one beautiful thing about that temple was we had the original painting, uh, Jadarani Mataji's original painting of the Panchatapa that's on the, one of the covers of the Chaitanya Charitamrita. That was our deity. So Bhakta Brian was offering RT to that picture of Panchatapa and running the Sunday programs and and everything. So that we closed down that temple and I moved to Detroit. Yeah. 
So you mentioned also that uh, the, the culture, especially for the disciples of the Zonal Acharya, was to quote uh, the, a lot from the Zonal Acharyas. Oh my God. So we would get, uh, you know, in those days, everything was cassettes, right? Um, there was obviously no CD-ROMs and what to speak of downloading uh, lectures. <laughs> so, but I, and I don't know how we did it, but we used to get a lot of lectures from the different um, gurus, Zonal Acharyas. And I would, you know, I was a Brahmachari and I would just be listening to them nonstop. And I, I could just imagine how much I probably fried out the uh, Prabhupada disciples because you know what what goes in here comes out here right you know what you hear so I would just um, my my classes my Bhagavatam classes were Srila Rameshwar said this and Srila Jayatirtha said that and Srila Bhagavan said that and Srila Kirtananda said that just like like a machine gun <laughs> um, and some of them were good lectures and things but uh, I was not so much quoting Srila Prabhupada of course I was reading his books but it was a real, um, but I was listening to so many lectures at that time and I could just imagine what some of the uh, disciples of Srila Prabhupada thought about those lectures, those talks. But yes, it was, uh, it was very much like that. So, so then uh, I don't know um, if, how much chronologically you wanna go, but then of course Jai Tirta had his challenges. Uh, which I think surfaced, if I'm not mistaken, in 82. So, just to frame, Jatirtha Prabhu, uh, months before Sri Prabhupada left, became the Detroit GBC. Right. And automatically, after Sri Prabhupada left, and after the February, March meetings uh, in 1978, he also became the guru, uh, now colloquially. Uh, designated as zonal acharya i mean now right. means at present we call them zonal acharya right. we didn't call them that then yeah yeah and so you became the first disciple actually. well early i don't know if he did initiation in london on the way here but oh, okay. he, he had an interesting zone he had uh the uk uh detroit and uh south africa Okay, like a major triangle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so you were saying at one point he had these challenges. Yeah, well, he was very nice. I really liked him as a person. Uh, very nice person. Very nice person. But, um, you know, he was a grihasta with a five-year-old child, and all of a sudden he's, you know, he's right? uh, and, and so he, he got into some of his old habits. Um, well, I didn't know it at the time, right? Uh, taking LSD in particular, which is a, for those who don't know about it, like a very psychotropic drug. Um, and there's so many, I, I'll tell you one story. So LSD, um, I've never taken LSD, but it, it gives you a very delusional. Uh, so one time he was uh, in front of the deities in Detroit and he just went on going crying in front of the deities for like six or seven hours Radha Kunjabi Hari Radha and, and it you know we had to go on with our services and the, you know the whole Detroit is a very big mansion a very big temple Prabhupada um, visited there and in 76 and uh, with the help of Ambarish Prabhu and Lake Shavanti Mataji bought that place so so in all the rooms you have the speakers and so I just I just remember this so vividly, just going about my business, doing this and that, and over the loudspeaker, um, 
Jayatirtha Prabhu in his LSD-driven um, uh, ecstasies, you know, calling out the deities. You know, meanwhile, I'm, you know, like arranging for oil change for the car or whatever <laughs> as this is going on. I just, I have that vision in my mind. So he... And at the moment, uh, uh, possibly the devotees took it as a real sign of advancement. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was ecstasy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and other things happened. Uh, there's a whole history that you know the GBC then forced him to take sannyas, and he came back with you know. And How was that road. working? That uh, that happened also, I believe, to to Bhagavan Prabhu. A similar thing, right? Bhagavan Prabhu also had young children what do you think how do you explain that type of cultural uh, development that now okay now you're a griasta now you're a guru and you have to give up the griasta like well i i, I thought it was connected uh jayatirta sannyas jayatirta prabhu i call him prabhu because he was, he was a wonderful devotee you know uh, and i have no he gave me some good instructions so i have no ill feelings at all actually um i was under the impression this could be wrong that uh because the GVCs became aware of some of his challenges. They thought that the way to purify him was to take sannyas. Um, and then he went to Mayapur, and he got attracted to uh, to Srila Prabhupada's godbrother, Sridhar Maharaj. And he he moved, you know, it was a big thing. He moved to Navadweep, and he asked his disciples to move to Navadweep. And this got back to us in... in, in um, Detroit and like, are you going to leave? Are you going to st stay? And I don't know. Somehow or other, even in those days, I was, you know, just trained that Prabhupada wanted us to follow the GBC. So it was such a political atmosphere. I just decided to do the one thing that I knew how to do. And I got in a van with another brahmachari and we just went on traveling Sangratan. And we just stayed away from the temple as long as we could. Uh, because we were hearing so many things, especially from England that that the disciples had taken over a building and they were using Prabhupada's Murti as a doorstop. I mean, who knows the reality? Like today, it would all be on Facebook Live. <laughs> you can see what's going on, right? But we had heard so many things and he had so many disciples in, uh, in England. And for me, I guess I was 22 or 23. You know, we didn't know what to believe. So I just decided to go out on book, just, just go out on Sangratan and get away from the temple. Um, and by that time- not, not, not everybody did that. No, they got, some people, uh, some people who were with uh, Jayadirta's disciples in Mayapur, they went with him to Nabadweep. Nabadweep, the, the ashram there was not at all ready for such an influx, especially of Westerners and devotees were getting sick. And, you know, it was a, uh, Ashram for Bengali brahmacharis and sannyasis, you know, um, and, and and so the the interesting thing that happened was uh, well, so many things happened, but in Detroit, so then the GBC sent after Jaitir, they sent um, uh, well, the first they sent Drista Dumna, who was a sannyasi at that time. So we are um, talking about uh, 1982. 80, yeah, late 82, maybe 83 by that time. Yeah. And then followed by Drisaduma was Rameshwar and Rameshwar Prabhu and Bhavananda Maharaj at that time. Well, Rameshwar Maharaj and Bhavananda Maharaj at that time became the co-GBCs. Um, and 
that lasted, well, you know, I think Bhavananda Prabhu started having his challenges in maybe 85 and Ramashwar Prabhu in 86. I think, and I, I so I went up to, uh, everyone was telling me I had to take reinitiation. Right. So I uh, went up to Bhavananda Maharaj at the time and said, uh, I'd like to take an reinitiation from Satsarup Maharaj. And he said, you can't do that. He said, Rameshwar uh, Maharaj and I are the gurus for Detroit. You have to take from one of us. So, did, did you consider moving to a different zone or you no, were so surrendered that? Uh, I was pretty surrendered and also <laughs> attached to Radha Kunjabi Hari. Yeah. Yeah, I was a good boy, you know. Uh, we would sometimes we would we, we would do Sangerton in the north part of um, Michigan and we would be like 2 miles from the Wisconsin border, which was another zone. And all my all my brahmacharya called, let's go to Wisconsin. I said, "No, no, it's not our zone. We can't do that." We have to follow the rules. You know? <laughs> so you're very diligent. Yeah. I don't know what happened to me in future years, but yeah. uh, so I just surrendered to that, and I wanted to take initiation from Jaya, uh, from Rameshwar Prabhu. And then one of his godbrothers, who was at the temple, said, "You know, uh, my name it. My first name was Krantaraj. Krantaraj Das." Mm -hmm. And uh, so he and this one devotee used to joke with me and call me Grunt Prabhu. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so he said, "You know, there's rumors that Rameshwar uh, is not chanting his rounds." So I don't know what got into me. But I actually approached him and asked him before I got initiated. And I asked him that question, you know, which now which, looking back. Yeah, I mean, nowadays would be sort of normal, but that time was unthinkable. Yeah, yeah. And, and he, he just answered, uh, um, people say so many things. And I just, then I didn't, I didn't, nowadays I would come back with a second, third, fourth, fifth question. Then I just fatal basins and left the room <laughs> and so i got initiated by him with arjuna was my name and uh i i remember one time uh so he and bhagawan prabhu were both uh visiting the temple of course bhagawan maharaj at the time and bhagawan maharaj was giving the class so there was Prabhupada's vyasasan ramashwars and then kind of around the corner was bhagawan's and so we were kind of uh, facing him for the Bhagavatam class. And he, then he said, how many of you are Rameshwar's disciples? We raised our hands and said, you cannot face me during the class. You must face your Guru Maharaj. And that was wild. But, you know, it's funny how all these memories are coming up. The, the wildest thing was, so, um, well, not the wildest, but one of the most memorable things was after Jayatirtha left, there was still a lot of uneasiness, right? Um, you know, we had some famous people who were disciples, you know, the devotee who is now, uh, uh, I think Sachin Narayan Babaji, he was a brahmachari with me and he was, uh, there and Rasaraj Prabhu, uh, they were all, we were all brahmacharis together, you know, Rasaraj Prabhu, the scientist. Yeah. The scientist. Yeah. 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 Um, so, uh, so, so Bhavananda Prabhu kind of came at it, you know, it was uh, still uh, politically charged. So he comes in, he sits on the Vyasa sun, and he says with his, you know, booming voice, uh, and, you know, very dramatic person, right? He says, if you point your finger at me, I'll point it right back at you. 
<laughs> that was uh, that was like you know the you know in the beginning of a symphony when you start with the uh, symbols, <laughs> you know? and those were the days. Um, they were quite heavy days. So I was a disciple of Ramachar's Prabhu's for about four years, and I was inspired by him because I was a Sangratan devotee, and he gave all these great classes on book distribution. Mm -hmm. um, and then and then he had his. Uh, Problems, which was much, much more like he just kind of faded away. It wasn't like, you know, join uh, the ashram in uh, Nabatweep or anything like that. And he wrote an apology letter. And yeah, so those were, uh, those were the and days. Of course, uh, we already heard in previous episodes, there were also different moods among this uh, first uh, batch of gurus in Iskon. Some of maybe stressed or emphasized more the, the opulent aspect, the aspect of uh, a protocol in worship. And some were actually quite resistant to accept worship and things. And you observe some of that. Yeah, uh, well, uh, firsthand with Rameshwar Prabhu, you know, and I'm told that, I don't remember, maybe some of your other interviews brought this up, but uh, that he was heavied out by the GBC and especially Bhagavan Prabhu, that he had to accept worship, had to sit down in Vyasasana. And I'm also told from reliable sources that in the beginning, Hari Kesh, at that time, Maharaj was uh, very much was in that mood. Uh, that may have changed, you know, later, but um, that was my understanding. That uh, you know, they just um, weren't into it, <laughs> as it were. <laughs> didn't, didn't think it was appropriate. So you also mentioned that the the, the general atmosphere resembled. A cult in one sense very insular yeah in some ways yeah very well uh certainly um and we were being called a cult right in america um and so it was almost an official identity i think so yeah <laughs> it was uh it was really and, and also at the same time we were convinced that you know we were going to take over the world any day <laughs> you know very soon you know Prabhupada would you know we'd quote that uh um you know the kurukshetra war was 18 days and and Prabhupada said something about you know Krishna if he wants to he can take over the world in 18 days or something along those lines i don't remember the exact quote um and i remember i was so into that i remember i guess around 1988 and I was talking to um, His Grace Burijan Prabhu, and he said he just said very casually, you know, we could we could uh, we could mess it up and not not be successful. And I couldn't sleep for like two or three days after he said that. It just, you know, as we say, it blew my mind. Even even that much later, I've been a devotee, you know, over ten years. I you know it was just, and I was still a brahmatra, and I just thought, no, that's we're we're gonna, you know any moment now we're taking over <laughs> and, and also a sense a sense of infallibility that we are blessed by the lord and uh, it's just uh the, the success uh is something it's a, it's a logical consequence of this fact right right it's an inevitable inevitability practically mm -hmm. speaking you know so when he said that well it's kind of up to us to follow sincerely <laughs> I, I literally couldn't sleep for a few days <laughs> 
Um, so se self-awareness, self-criticism, uh, analysis, sociological analysis was not the fourth of the movement at that time. No, it wasn't. Um, it really, if, if I can remember, uh, Ravinda Suprabhu was one of the first people to start uh, you know, writing papers and things along those lines. And, uh, and some other people who were part of the 50-man committee. Um, but, but it was, uh, you know, even though, even when first reading those, it was like, you know, you know uh, quite eye-opening. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. Now, uh, you also mentioned that there was also a shift in the uh, outreach focus from books to paraphernalia, and that also affected a lot the mood and the performance of the movement. Yeah, well, um, yeah, I, I pretty much distributed everything except books for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Can you give us some examples? Well, uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of what it started with. I think probably started with lollipops, you know, suckers, which which was kind of nice because Prabhupada, um, actually it was Batu Gopal Prabhu had written Srila Prabhupada when he was uh, temple president in Cleveland and said, can we uh, offer these to the deities? And, you know, probably, yeah, they're just sugar and a few things. And so it was kind of neat. We were, we were giving people like a, a, a lollipop, a sucker, we would call them in, 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 in America and then ask for a donation. Um, and we it's knew they prashada. were. Yeah, it was prashadam. So that was kind of neat. Yeah. Uh, then let's see, where did I go from there? Oh, records. So first we did devotee records. Uh, this one record, um, well, we did the uh, Govindam, the Govindam record, the uh, Goddess of Fortune, it was called Goddess of mm -hmm. Fortune with uh, all in Sanskrit. I mean, I don't know what people thought of that. Um, and then uh, two, uh, Night and Daydream was one done by the British devotees and another one called Rasa. Uh, and that kind of morphed into doing non-devotee records. We found out there's something called cutouts, which are records that didn't, didn't sell so well. So we got them for like, I think 15, 20 cents each. And we would, uh, we would, we learned this from Hangsa Duda Prabhu's people in Berkeley, how to drive around in a van and out of the van. So, I mean, today looking back, it was, <laughs> it was crazy. Uh, then at some point we sold candles and then stickers for a long time and then hats. What kind of hats? Oh, hats, whatever, connected like, to uh, the event. Like if it was a, a racing racing car event, you'd have the name of a famous racing car person. Like be baseball caps? Yeah, baseball know? hats. Yeah, baseball hats. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was quite lucrative, actually. Mm. Um, and the idea was that we were collecting for the BBT, you know, and the money would go to the BBT. But the problem was uh, then we wouldn't distribute the book. We were just you know, giving money to the BBT. Uh, I mean, L.A. started um, hanging, putting like in a nice bag and hanging books on people's doors, but with no contact with the devotees. As gifts. Yeah, as gifts. Yeah. Um, so that, and we did that uh, to some extent. Um, and, gosh, I remember one time, so, so I'm trying to remember when the shift happened, but there was a big shift towards Kirtananda, right? Because 
first of all, the devotees in New Brindavan could collect like two to three times what I could collect. It was just amazing how they were just fixed on that. And they built the palace of gold. And it seemed that things were really booming in New Brindavan. I remember one time doing a, an event uh, collecting and uh, one of the New Brindavan devotees cut me off. And I said, Prabhu, you shouldn't do that. I'm collecting for the BBT. And he said to me, I'm also collecting for the BBT, the Bhaktipad Book Trust. <laughs> um, so there was a lot of competition also with New Brindavan and especially after some of the other fall downs, you know, he was considered like it, you know, the, uh, the, the, the big person. Especially in America. In America. Yeah. Well, I, my experience was basically in America. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, we, so we had, you know, Detroit and, uh, so we had a challenge of going from Jayatirtha Prabhu to Rameshwar Prabhu and Bhavananda Prabhu. Right. Um, so it was like, and then similarly in the UK, uh, at least they had, you know, Bhagawan, both both the UK and uh, South Africa. Um, Bhagawan took over after Jayatirtha in both of those places, if I'm not mistaken, then he had his problems. So it was really hard on those yatras. It's actually quite uh, a statement from both those yatras are doing so well now, because um, there was some real, uh, it was a hard time. And so many of my, my Devotees who joined at my time, you know, by the second guru, they were like, you know, um, I'm not going to live in the ashram at least anymore, you know, find other ways yeah. to live. Let me let me remind our listeners, our viewers, that you can ask questions if you like uh, in uh, Facebook or YouTube. Uh, we'll uh, we'll see your comments. We'll see your questions and uh, we we might get around to uh, answer them so if you have any historical curiosity or sociological curiosity philosophical questions Rajbihari Prabhu is extremely expert in dealing <laughs> with all of this I'd like to add that you know in um, in appreciation for the zonal acharyas they were they were so young um, when we think of a devotee being uh, in the movement six or seven years now, we think, oh, well, you know, butcha, you know, they're still a child. Uh, you know, we don't give them too much responsibility. And they were made achari. They were made, you know, gurus and uh, offered guru puja. And, well, you know, everyone, men and, and, and attractive young women paying obeisances to them. And, you know, it was, uh, I don't think I would have done any better. In, in that situation. And we only had the example of a guru was Prabhupada. And, you know, um, uh, it was almost inevitable, you know, when you think that there was, I, I remember a, a, a sociology of religion professor once saying, he's never seen such a gap in years between a spiritual teacher and his followers. Because, you know, um, Prabhupada was, uh, how old was he when he left us? Uh, Almost 80, 80. Yeah, yeah 80. And so we 81, were... 81, 96, 77. So there was at least 50 years, if not 60 years, between gap between him and his disciples. 
It's huge. It's a huge gap. It's mm -hmm. it's an unheard of gap. <laughs> I mean, Jesus was only thirty something, right? Um, when he left this world, right? Wasn't it? But they say thirty three. Yeah, thirty three. And Sankarachari was forty eight or something like that. Um, no, no, Lord Chaitanya was forty eight. Uh, Sankarachari, they say, was uh, thirty two. I believe. Something yes. Like that. <laughs> so there couldn't have been that much gap. So so what a gap! What a what an amazing. What an amazing gap. Uh, mm -hmm. So, you know, kind of like uh, um, I have great respect for them. And I, and I, and I learned a lot from Jai Tirtabu. I learned a lot from Ramashwar Prabhu. So I don't hold any ill feelings. And, and I see Ramashwar Prabhu from time to time now. And just, uh, you know, we have nice, nice discussions. Yeah, this is a good point. Obviously, see, our analysis of this period and we are spending a few episodes on this because it was a, such a intense period in terms of, in many ways, uh, you know, emotionally, socially, even financially, structurally. So it's not to, as you said, it's not to condemn the point of finger to, to anybody. Uh, in fact, it was also said before in other episodes that some of the things they did. Uh, they were not wrong in themselves. In other right. words, there was no direct instruction from Srila Prabhupada, don't put the second diocesan in the temple. You know, it was it was a choice. It's not it's not against the Shastra specifically. Uh, okay, Srila Prabhupada, the Vyasasa, now the guru, the zone is here, put another Vyasasa. It's not something directly contravening Srila Prabhupada instructions. Mm. But of course, uh, some of the things like taking sannyas very young now, uh, they say, you know, hindsight is 2020. Now, these things don't happen anymore. I mean, it would be very rare for people before 50, 55 to take sannyas now. I mean, but, but, uh, but at that time, uh, you know, late 20s, 30 was normal, was normal, which now we know doesn't generally work it works in very extraordinary cases right. so it's, it's really not to to point fingers at anybody but to understand how iscon is different and in one sense how we are uh, i mean Nikos, uh, would say you know i can see farther because i'm standing on the shoulder of giants so a lot of our lessons we learned because some devotees took responsibility in those years and now we know what works, what doesn't work. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. I, I, I totally agree with that. And, and it wasn't that, you know, ISKCON was a total disaster during those years either. Um, we acquired some really good properties. We certainly distributed a lot of books. Um, we made a lot of uh, devotees, um, but it was, you know, it was, Almost okay. like you have to go through your teenage. You can't go from uh, ten to thirty. You got to go through your teenage years. And uh -huh. when your father passes away, I mean, you know, if we think about it now, the the oldest devotee, old absolute <laughs> oldest devotee, was eleven years, and that was practically no one. Mm -hmm. Right, the absolute oldest. <laughs> you know, and, and it's it's actually yeah, it was uh, yeah. I mean, they say youth is a very serious disease and the only cure is time. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah, yeah, right, 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 exactly. 
there was also another thing that you pointed out, uh, another phenomenon. Many devotees who were living as brahmachari for a few years, five, ten, at one point they shifted. And that also emptied the temples. There was also that other dimension. Would you like to speak a few words? Yes. Okay. That, I mean, that's a very good, that's, there was a, it was a, what do they say when a confluence of a number of, you know, or a perfect storm, sometimes they would say, right? <laughs> so, so if you combine the, uh, some of the misgivings that some of the Prabhupada disciples felt about the zonal acharyas, that's one. Combine that with Prabhupada leaving us to combine that with, okay, I've been a brahmachari, uh, you know, five, seven, eight years, ten, well, by, and ten years, and and I really don't see myself doing this for the rest of my life. Uh, you know, com uh, combine all of those, put that all in, you know, all make a kitchery out of all of that and probably a few other things. And people started, you know, want, becoming grihastas. And also at the, so you try to imagine the temples in, um, in the in the 70s and 80s uh, early 80s all the grihastas were maintained by the brahmacharis out collecting basically you know mm -hmm. and we we had the fate exhibit in in um in detroit where a number of grihastas moved to detroit to make these beautiful uh, exhibits that uh, that Prabhupada, you know wanted and um and so the brahmacharis wanting to get married means very little income for the temples right and so there was in in in, in america it was very interesting because that was also not too far from the time when the um visa laws adjusted and more people from india could move to america and uh you know there's a saying follow the money so when the brahmacharis you know when we were sankirtan devotees i remember doing sankirtan in in london in the late 70s and early 80s and we were treated like kings special prashadam big pies and cakes for us when we came back during the day during you know in the uh, in the evening and uh, you know like that it was like all special and part of it yeah of course we were distributing books in those days. Well, we were doing records actually <laughs> in England, but also we were bringing in the money, mm -hmm. you know? So things also shifted um, in how we collected funds, but the temples really started suffering financially. Um, uh, you know, incredibly we had, I, I think at the height, we had maybe 25 devotees going on Sangratan every day. And, you know, I can remember it came down to about two or three in Detroit at one time. Um, and then I moved to India. <laughs> I didn't collect anymore. So I was one of the last ones to <laughs> stop uh, fundraising for the temple. What, what year was that? That would have been um, 86. Yeah. 86, 87. Yeah. Um, 87. But, but yeah, so that was kind of the tail end of those those days. So there was sociological, there was financial, there was spiritual, um, there was uh, uh, just, uh, there's that book, what's that book called? I forget the name of the book now. 
Um, but it talks about the different uh, stages of your life every 10 years, the different decades of your life. So there was also that, just people starting to enter into their 30s and maybe having kids and you know seeing the world uh, differently. And that was, you know, a, a, that was in, that was, uh, what's the word? It was, it was made faster by Prabhupada's leaving us and the situation. It precipitated the opening. Precipitated, yeah. We have a question from Ramanath Sukha Prabhu. Oh, Hare Krishna uh, Ramanath Sukha Prabhu. So we can put it on and... Uh, as you can see, Balata Prabhu mentioned that the Guru understanding is still a work in progress. Does Rajbihari Prabhu agree? Can the GBC organize open instagosis to further clarify Guru Tattva and how to properly progress into the future? Um, <laughs> yeah, well, Guru Tattva is kind of like Tako Pratishtam Shutrayo Vibhinam Nashabishir Yashyam Natamba Vibhinam. You ask every person and they have a different idea. Um, is, 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 I would I would agree with Balavanta Prabhu. It's still a uh, work in progress, but I think what's what we find that's that is helpful is that there are different examples and uh, of of spiritual masters. And I know, for example, if you talk to Kalakanta Prabhu, he very much would like to have discussions about what he calls or what we were calling in the GBC the gurus of the future. Um, and he likes, you know, he's he's uh, running this very successful program in Gainesville, Florida. Um, and he he doesn't he's not the only person who gives initiation there, but he just likes the idea of many 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 gurus having, you know, not so huge numbers of disciples and being able to give uh, personal guidance to them. And then we have, of course, spiritual masters who have thousands and thousands and thousands of disciples. So it might be that um, there may be different examples of gurus in this con, but I, I, I think it's certainly a, uh, what, are, what are the three things, uh, Kante Aprabhu, that are considered, uh, that are inconceivable? Guru Tattva is one of them, right? And uh, Jiva Tattva and Shiva Tattva, Lord Shiva, is, are those the three? I can't hear you. Are you on mute or? Sorry, I muted. Yeah, what I heard is uh, Guru Tattva, Shiva Tattva, and Dham Tattva. Oh, Dham Tattva. I thought it was Jiva Tattva. Okay. Um, but anyway, Guru is one of them. <laughs> and, and also, um, you know, as, as we study, I, I took a course on Gaudiya Vaishnava history from the Oxford Center with all these great scholars, you know, I mean, amazing scholars like Gopinath Acharya Prabhu and Krishna Shetra Maharaj and uh, Radhika Raman. Prabhu and and you know the thing Gaudiya tradition is not just a single tradition it's adjusted over the years and of course Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur made adjustments Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasati Thakur made adjustments Srila Prabhupada made adjustments so you know um, I think what we have to do for most things is we have to uh, like in the sixth chapter of the Nectar of Devotion Prabhupada talks about principles and details so there's certain, obviously, certain principles of Guru Tattva that should remain the same no matter what. Um, but details uh, certainly um, are up for adjustment, different cultures around the world and, and different, uh, like here in America, um, I, you know, I lived in India for 21 years and I've been back in America 10 years. 
and um, even some certain ways that people, I find in America, especially when I'm trying to uh, encourage new people to take Krishna consciousness, their primary focus is on the individual and their individual spiritual practices. And I see in ISKCON there in India, of course, it's, that's also there, but also a, may, a big emphasis on you're joining this organization and the importance of the of the organization. So I, there'll be differences, but we have to at least make sure that we're keeping the principles. And Kante Apuru, this question would be just as much, if not more, for you than me, if you have some thoughts on it. I agree um, that it's a work uh, in progress uh, in the sense that, as we know, and you know perhaps better than anybody else, uh, for, to just to give an example, that BBC for three times declared that uh, it's perfectly right to have women uh, becoming also initiated in spiritual masses. Uh, they declared that in the resolution in 2005, in 2009, then again in 2019. But as you know very well, there are still uh, some parts of our movement that we stand and protest uh, and resist the idea. So at least, at least in that sense, uh, culturally, um, it's a work in progress because uh, there is no, what you call, common understanding or what a guru is, uh, or who can be a guru, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, it's a work in progress, but not in the sense of work in progress that it cannot function. I mean, we do have dozens of functioning gurus. We do have thousands of functioning disciples. So the knowledge is being transmitted. Uh, the shastras... Uh, they have been, they are being uh, uh, imbibed, assimilated, realized, uh, and so we have a working system. We have a working system. People can uh, take the role, do the service as guru. People can take uh, shelter in them. Uh, people can take uh, initiation. So we have a working system, but of course there is some fine tuning, social, cultural. Uh, I would say even educational that needs some calibration. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's nicely said. Yeah, um, <laughs> and we but we keep you know like Vacho Vegam, Manasakroda Vegam, Jiva Vegam, Udarapasta Vegam. Mm -hmm. You know, there's certain, so many things in Shastra about. Uh, so you know, whatever culture, whatever uh, people should. For example, follow the first. Uh, a guru should be a guru in line with, for example, the first verse of the uh, Upadek Shamrita, as an example, and uh, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah. so, so many verses are there. Yeah. It's interesting what you say because uh, quoting that verse, that verse says there are six urges, you know, six sensual or mental impulses. And it says one who can tolerate them can make disciples all over the world. So it doesn't say one who does not experience them can make disciples. <laughs> so some people seem to buy into the, you could say, mythology that the guru should be already Paramahamsa, should be already beyond the beyond, 
but that's that's not what Narupa Goswami says. In other words, if the if a guru, if he or she can uh, control his or her senses and mind and follow the instruction of his or her guru, and there are gurus, no, that, that that doesn't have to be already some uh, something impossible or something mythological. Hmm. Yeah, and for me, maybe because I, so I, 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 maybe devotees know or don't know. So then, um, I met Burijan Prabhu in 1987. I went to Brindavan for the first uh, VIHC, and that's by the way, 1987 is an interesting year because it's kind of like the end of the Zonocharya time. I would pretty much suspect because you know by that time, Bhavananda Prabhu, Ramachandra Prabhu, you know, uh, had gone, and it was kind of. The idea of those eleven as something extra. You're, you're talking about eighteen, nineteen eighty-seven, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that was a, an interesting year. It was the year the VIG started, and it was the year that the Brajmandal Prakrama started. Same year, Kartik, in Brindavan. Interestingly, and that was the first time it, it, devotees may not realize this because we're so used <coughs> to, for example, having seminars. And Bhakti Shastris, there was no seminars in Iskand. There was no Bhakti Shastri, practically speaking. There was no classes, like, you know, systematic classes uh, until 87, we kind of st started it. And then, you know, it, it kind of grew and the VIHE grew and then the MIHE and then, you know, around the world, you know, it's pretty standard now for to have all these things. Um, so anyway, I got initiated. Uh, I met Burry John Prabhu in '87. I got initiated by him in '91. So and I, again, you changed your name. Yes. Yeah, so I, I was Grantaraj Arjuna, but he asked me if I wanted to change my name. I said yes, and then Braj Bihari. So my wife also has been initiated three times: Rameshwar mm -hmm. Prabhu, Jagadish Prabhu, and then um, um, His Holiness Radhanath Swami Maharaj. Um, so, I only got initiated two times, so I. Oh uh, yeah, really yeah. <laughs> Who was your first guru? Bhagavan Maharaj. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So we put a lot of bananas in the fire <laughs> uh, over the years, um, but uh, what was I saying? Oh, so uh, that was a, but that I think was a significant uh, shift in in trying to really get devotees more serious to study. The, uh, we started the first Bhakti Shastri. Um, it was a residential class at that time in 89. And, you know, all now pretty much it's pretty standard all over the world for devotees to study Bhakti Shastri, Bhakti Vaibhava. So those were some good shifts and thousands of devotees going on. You know, so then Lokanath Maharaj started the Brajmanda Prikama and then the Navadri Prikama took place. And now, you know, spiritual masters often take people around Puri and, you know, all over. So there was a good shift in 87 towards some more um, deepening of spiritual practices. Like that. No comments from our viewers who not specific lessons, but we share them. Shaman says, His Holiness Bhakti Chara Maharaj did some detailed seminars on Founder Acharya. One can find this on YouTube. Thank yeah. you. And we have another comment from uh, Ramanath Sukhaprabhu. The role of Shiksha Guru as part of Guru Tattva is still rather vague. Open dialogue, Ishtagoshti, would allow the GBC to come to a better consensus. Well, certainly, um, 
it's it's vague yes is it uh um yeah it, 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 we could go on we could talk about that for an hour right now right but uh about uh shiksha guru <laughs> and um but because we know in in chaitanya charitamrita that shiksha and diksha are to be respected on the same level right and and uh you know when when does someone a shiksha guru you know when they give you you know well hey prabhu uh, you go you, you came to a few of my bhagavatam classes now i'm your shiksha guru you know what i mean uh but it's it's so important especially when someone is a, uh, a disciple of someone who has thousands and thousands of disciples and you can't always you know have a personal relationship with that person so it's wonderful if you have other people who know you well and can you know us well and can guide us in our krishna consciousness and i know again konteya prabhu has much to say about this topic well the fact that I always have something to say is not necessarily a <laughs> positive trait. <laughs> right. And uh, I think it was Shiva Amaraj wrote a book on Shiksha and Diksha uh, Gurus, didn't he, many, many years ago? Uh, like that. And, um, but I, I think it's it's wonderful if we have, you know, even in the extended Indian family, having uncles, right? You know, I remember when I first moved to India, I couldn't understand it. When someone introduced me, this is my brother, this is my brother, this is my brother. How many brothers do you have? <laughs> you know? And because cousins and brothers were synonymous, at least when they translated it into English. And so having many aunts and uncles who guide us, um, I mean, it's it's fantastic if we could develop that more of a, that kind of a community. Um, and like my son, my son told me, he thought, he said he'd like to be, live in a community where um, I feel as responsible for your Krishna consciousness as I feel for my own Krishna consciousness. And so everyone's in the mood of helping one another like that. And so I, I um, yeah, so we could talk for hours about community development, but we're, I think we're almost out of time, right? Uh, well, I mean, uh, our time is uh, uh, flexible, yeah. just like the definition of Shiksha Guru. <laughs> uh, so, but we are almost at the hour mark. So, obviously, we don't want to take too much of your time. I mean, you shared a lot of valuable uh, insights, historical details, uh, very inst instructive uh, realization. So, uh, if there are no more questions, or if you don't want to uh, add anything, and of course, not everybody knows that Rajbihari Prabhu's involvement with the GBC has been. Uh, uh, has been crucial, I would say, not only as a formal deputy GBC, but uh, as as I said, uh, uh, he continues to be in the circle in many ways. Frankly, he is the person, he is the go-to person when there are conflicts in the world of, of any kind. Uh, we could do another series just on the what is what kind of conflicts and issues and crises is dealing at the moment. Uh, but another very important thing that many people don't know is that he has been what was called uh, the liaison between the deputy GBC and the EC for nine years. And so he was the closest person to the action, to the decisions of the GBC, to the management of the GBC meetings. So today we focused on uh, a few specific years 
since when he joins 287 88 but he could tell us much more about the gbc history in the last uh, 30 years well just i'll uh, just add a few things before we end is that all right sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. well uh <laughs> Yeah, so I was on the EC, uh, the executive committee of the GBC for nine years. And then after that, I had open heart surgery. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, so, not, that's not a very good publicity <laughs> for somebody know. who may want a career in the service yeah, career well, in the GBC. Well, but I don't know. If, I don't know if they're necessarily connected. Actually, it was a it was a, a, a valve, and valves are pretty much uh, from birth. Um, <laughs> Most of the big, big issues that are dealt with on the GBC level now are dealt with Brahmatirta Prabhu. But my okay. my, my service is to um, try to establish ISKCON Resolve and the, and the principles and practices of finding nice ways for Vaishnavas to sit down and work things out uh, in a congenial way. And so I do trainings uh, pretty much almost every week. I'm on calls with South Africa, Russia, Ukraine, India, UK, uh, did I say UK? Uh, South Africa uh, and other places. I was just on a call with Germany, trying to train devotees in this and try to pass this on so that we have devotees all over the world who um, can um, deal with, uh, you know, expertly with conflicts and issues so that they don't have to, not everything rises up to uh, become a major thing. It's nice to nip them in the bud and deal with things when they're on a lower level. So, um, and just in, and finally about the zonal chari days yes they were they were difficult times in some ways and losing two gurus was hard but i got the chance to chant hari krishna every day i got the okay. chance to take prasadam i got the chance to associate with devotees i got the chance to read Srila prabhupada's books i got the opportunity to see beautiful deities like shishi radha kunjabi hari in detroit so i wouldn't trade trade those days for anything um it was uh you know, if you weigh everything, the it was great. I mean, I mean, not. I, I, and, I'm not and this is not at all to minimize the challenges of those of those devotees, of the disciples, of the Prabhupada disciples. Not in any way, but just that um, there was there was some. Uh, I feel fortunate to have uh, lived through those times and continue to serve. Thank you so much, Rajbiari Prabhu. Uh, you are one of the most impactful agents of change in ISKCON. Thank you for your service. Um, most people don't know what you're facing, what you're doing. And uh, for me, it was personally a pleasure to give you uh, uh, some, some time to, to, to share your wisdom. Hare Krishna. Thank you, Prabhu. Hare Krishna. So stay tuned. We have other... We are still in uh, 1987. We still have to uh, analyze those days of the guru reform uh, and uh, the, the 50 man committee. And then of course, after, after that, uh, we have another 34 years, maybe uh, not so tumultuous or eventful, but very, very significant. So stay tuned uh, for this GBC history with the GBC strategic planning team. Hare Krishna. Thank you, Rajvir Prabhu. Hare Krishna.